1: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 41 of the R&R Show, and hello Ruel, how are you doing? Hey, hello Richard, I am fantastic
0: as always, what about you my friend?
1: I am doing okay. I've got a little something in my throat. I just took a swig of water. It doesn't seem to go away, so I might I might have to stifle the urge to cough violently throughout this whole thing. I'll try and do it off camera ever possible. But there that go. hiccup cannot stifle my enthusiasm for our penultimate. Can you believe it? The penultimate. I just love saying penultimate edition of the top 100 of all time. Numbers 20 to 11. Oh, my wow. goodness. What what a journey it has been. It's not over yet,
0: but I you know I, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I do like that word penultimate. I yep. think we need to use it more often in, in general life. But um, I'm excited because you know as we've done this, you know I've learned a lot of a lot. You know I've seen a lot of the different uh, games that we've covered, and I feel like now we're really narrowing it down to the the best of the best, obviously. And I think I have a good feeling of what's on on your list, and I, you okay. probably have a good feeling of what's on mine. That, that's what I'm thinking. But no, we'll see. you're a bit of a wild card I, 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 At least one of mine may be a surprise. To you, at least one of them,
1: I think you might surprise me a bit more than you think. Um, I'm I'm going in with eyes wide open. Do you realize we've been doing this since February? Wow, really? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, but. Uh, we will not keep the folks waiting any longer. We will soon start counting down backwards from the number 20 to the number 11 and assign various and center games to it. But before we get going, we have to give stuff away. And this week, we are seeing a return of a very, very cool prize that one lucky viewer is going to win. It is an Azul bundle. And, um, Roel, I believe the last time we talked about this, you were saying that this is your wife Michelle's favorite version of Azul, the Summer Pavilion, correct? That is correct. Yeah, she loves it. And she's actually the one that taught me this game. Um, normally,
0: I'm the, the teacher in the house as far as board games. But uh, Michelle, I mean, she's a real-life teacher. And in this case, she actually taught me this game as well. At one of our local game nights before the pandemic, uh, locked everything down. Um, she taught me this. It's a beautiful version of Azul. As you can see there, the tiles are not the, the you know squares. They're more diamond-shaped. Yeah. And there's a bunch of great little things that they do in this one. And um, she, she loves it. It's her ver- favorite version. I'm still sort of like... Uh, I'm still trying to figure out which one is my favorite, but wow, this is excellent! I love the fact that we're giving away a bundle of stuff. It's not just the yes. game; we're giving some other good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well. You
1: also get the Azul mug, uh, which is a very, very uh, fine-looking thing too. And one lucky winner will get it. But well, how do they get this uh, Summer Pavilion in their life? I'm glad you asked, Richard. The way you're going to uh, win this, folks, is listen
0: to our show here and keep an ear out for the word scum S-C-U-M <laughs> as in scum you know and uh, when we say, one of us says that says that word you're going to not type in scum you're going to type in the name of the game that we're talking about that moment send it uh, in an email to contest at rado.com and you'll be entered to win the Azul uh, bundle here.
1: Exactly Yes. Yeah. so keep your ears peeled one of us will say it at one point you know where to send it and uh, Azul Summer Pavilion could be on the way to you and yes. uh, yeah that's very, very cool. So, um, with that out of the way, I believe we are ready to begin our pen ultimate countdown of the top 100 games of all time. Numbers 20 to 11. And I think, like always, you're going to kick it off, right, Ruel? Yes, sir. I'm going to kick it off. Here
0: we are. We're number 20. Okay, sir. Um, This game, let's get it ready here. Number 20 <laughs> is... I mean, mm. there's no doubt about this one. The huge yeah. influence this has had on the industry in the last few years. It is Wingspan. Uh, designer Elizabeth Hargrave, published by Stonemire Games a few years ago. It's a game about birds, folks. And <laughs> I had no idea that I would be so into this theme. I remember when this came out, um, your, you know, Stonemaier announced it. I was like, oh, game about birds. That's cool. But... I had no idea how good this game was gonna be, and actually, how fantastic this game was gonna be. It's an engine building game. It's a very simple, streamlined system where you're uh, drawing big from a big deck of bird cards. You're gonna lay them out um, eventually in your you know play mat area there, as you can see you and uh, Jen playing there, um, and you're gonna get this engine going of you know uh, producing eggs for points, and some of those uh, birds are gonna combo with other birds. And you're going to roll dice for resources, and I mean it's just a beautiful production from start to finish. The game is fantastic. Uh, I remember Jamie; he had uh, interviewed or talked to uh, Elizabeth about this on one of the many interviews I've read about mm. this. I mean, you you could have read about this game on the Wall Street Journal, folks. This yeah. is how big this game yes. got um he was talking about you know how they love the engine building of terraform mars and now it gave him the idea why not have a big old deck of cards like that but instead of like terraform mars we're going to make it a little more accessible and this game you can play in about an hour and um what i love most about this game is that theme really brought in i feel like it brought in a whole new generation of gamers mm-hmm. people that normally wouldn't pick a game up, a modern game up they see, I mean, you can buy this at Target now, folks. Yeah. And you just like, oh, look, pretty birds. You get to the table, it's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, we are giving folks a modern masterpiece, a modern classic in Wingspan. And that's why it's our number 20, Wingspan.
1: Yep. Just don't play it with Mandy Patinkin, apparently. <laughs> I was going to bring that up, too. <laughs> <gasps> I love if you If you don't know folks uh, Google on, on uh, Or check
0: it out on YouTube uh, Mandy Patekin Trying to learn this With his family It's hilarious It is But yeah. um, it
1: doesn't take away From the fact that In my opinion This is a modern uh, classic yeah I, I completely agree absolutely fantastic brilliant uh you know basically it's an engine building game where you're building three engines, each one which produces something that the other two engines need, trying to get all that stuff working and synchronicity, but then birds, beautiful birds yes. layered on top, wonderful production absolutely yeah. fantastic
0: uh, worthy and i do want uh, to bring up one uh, one mm. last thing about the game so the uh, you know we're, we're all about uh, analog board games here. I do want to shout out the the implementation they did on Steam, the app. It is one of the most beautiful implementations of a game I've seen. I, mm-hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. The animation, the sound sa- the music, the sounds just oh. It is, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I almost put that video on for talking about this because I know you did a uh, a live stream of some other folks playing the digital implementation, where the art of the of the cards literally comes to life as you play the cards. Yes, really beautifully done. Yeah, Um, Yeah. so awesome. Alrighty, well, a a, a wonderful number twenty. But as far as I'm concerned, an even better nineteen, Manhattan Project Energy Empire, which Uh, is absolutely fantastic. Um, oh boy, where to start? Well, basically, uh, I've, I've said this more than once and I will stand by it as far as it, this is probably the best worker placement game I've ever played. Or the game, a uh, nice big crunchy euro that leverages worker placement better than just about any other one I've ever done. And um, it's because of the really interesting um, dynamics of how you place your workers out. Uh, essentially, we are each player running a, a modern real world country and economy trying to provide power for our people. So, our country and our society can succeed. And so, we are focusing on building power plants that will, uh, you know, generate energy in lots of different ways. But uh, the beautiful thing about this game is as we start drafting cards that represent different means to an end whether it is you know building infrastructure, whether it is investing in government that can do subsidies or, or what have you uh, we, we end up getting all these cards played in front of us they're different colors and we get to activate those cards when we send our workers to matching spaces on the board. so it's a really interesting engine that we have built off to the side that is driven by our, um, our propensity to send our workers to different spots on the board. So what if I've got an engine? That I really want to run, but I don't want to do the actions that'll run the engine. And trying to, you know, build with your ultimate goal of really being efficient at all times is just absolutely stunning. Uh, The game is very thematic, heavily grounded. It's a wonderful production, uh, cool custom dice and all the rest of it, and uh, yeah, it's just one of Jen's and my favorites of all time. It's interesting. It's actually a sequel to a previous worker placement game called just Manhattan Project, which in and of its own right was a very, very sharp design, but that one was a bit too cutthroat for me and Jen. Um, Manhattan Project Energy Empire, which is set basically 60 years after the original game, the the cutthroat out really upped the engine building and the, the crisscross between worker placement and made one of the best games of all time number 19 the manhattan project energy empire nice 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 yeah i was
0: wondering where this would land i know how highly you think of this game. i think very yeah, top 20 yeah definitely <laughs> cool awesome okay uh let's move on to our number 18 uh after that wonderful game this is one i know that you're going to appreciate our number 18 top 100 games of all time mm-hmm. roll for the galaxy mm-hmm. and we we're just talking about engine building uh, this one does it um you're building the space empires folks and with a bunch of dice and oh gosh i love this game this was actually one of the first games i learned uh played when i got into the hobby and honestly it intimidated the heck out of me because all the because uh, all the icons yes i was like i'd never played a game with this many icons but once i got through the first couple of rounds like okay things start making sense okay now we're doing You know, we're taking actions behind our little screen. We're going to set up these things. What do I want to do the most action of? Do I want to get other dice that will help me on uh, different planets to develop them and settle them and so forth? Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And there's nothing, I, I, maybe it's just me, I'm biased because I love chucking dice, but there's nothing like the sound of that cup just shaking yeah. all those dice and spilling it. It's so much fun, and like I love, love, love that you can play this game in like 30 minutes. I mean, it's, it's pretty, oh, relatively quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick, I mean, for me and Jen, you know, especially for a two-player, right? We're, yeah, as a two-player um, game,
1: we have it under 20 minutes. For us, it's almost yeah. a filler.
0: Yeah, it's almost a filler, but, boy, it's got a bunch of things going on here, which I love. It's interesting that we picked, uh, or at least uh, with Wingspan, 20, then here, 18, another engine building game. I realized, um, probably after this game, uh, you know, when I was still in the hobby, that, hey, I like engine building. I think it's neat. I'm not the best at it, I, you know. (laughs) I, I sometimes I fail to get my engine going, but I do really enjoy the process of, you know, setting something up where it'll start cranking out resources in a, a manner that I can use for uh, later on and really, you know, focus on uh, trying to, you know, be efficient as possible and get those victory points. And as you can see, they're building a space empire that yeah. will rule the universe by being the first to the allotted victory point total. And that's why I start number 18 roll for the galaxy.
1: I, I agree completely. Both my my wife and I love this to pieces. This is in Jen's top 10. This might be... This might, at this point, be her number one game of all time. Certainly in her top oh, wow. five. Uh, it's in my top 20 as well. So, yeah, it definitely belongs here. Such an amazing game. Although, Best. if I were to complain about anything, oh my god, this game is so hard to teach. This has got to be one of yes. the hardest games out there to teach. By yeah, far. Yeah, and
0: that's... I I really, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's why I wanted to tell that story about when I first learned the game as a new gamer. It was intimidating... You know, trying to figure out all these icons and stuff, and it really took me a while to get it. But you know, week after week at the the same game night that I would go, I kept asking, "Can we play it again?" Because I knew it was. it just felt like a good game, and it felt it was really satisfying to build that engine. And by the time I finally learned it, it's like, "Oh, this is oh, it's a great game," and it's still one of my favorites. Actually, there's a variant too on BGG that you can play solo, friends, and it's a it's a really easy variant, uh, solo variant. But it's fun. Yeah, it captures Mm. the spirit of the game without having to do too much AI work. So definitely check that out if you're on BGG, folks.
1: That's uh, Roll for the Galaxy, the solo variant. All right. And just Roll for the Galaxy, our number 18, both agreed, yes. one of the best of all time. Uh, last question about it. Does it supply... Well, no, I can't. I was going to ask, does it supply a race for the galaxy for you, but I wouldn't want to give away future entries on the list, so we'll just let that yeah. lie for now. We, we shall let that lie for now, yes. Okay. Then let's move on quickly, before we get into spoiler territory, <laughs> to our number 17. And, I mean, this is all engine building today, folks, because number 17 oh. is Dominion. <laughs> um yes. and you know it's interesting. I often refer to Dominion and other deck builders like it as kind of um broken engine building games. Because um Dominion, which of course really is such a transformative game. You know, it's uh, so well-loved. You know, it's gotten, what, now 14, 15 different expansions? I just got a new one in the mail within the last few weeks. I can't wait to give it a go. Um, But at its heart, you just have a deck of cards. And uh, you start out with a deck full of cards they are just money, and you can use that money to buy other cards from a public display, and you throw those cards in, and then once your deck is emptied out, you shuffle up the deck, start drawing cards again, and hope... That the cards you bought will show up in the right place at the right time with the right combination of other cards, so that you can actually run your engine effectively. But as often the case, that's why I say it's a broken engine because I, there's all these really good things in there. If I got these two cards in at the same time, it would be amazing. But those two cards never seem to show up. What what kind of engine am I making for myself? It's so brilliant, and it's actually interesting to me. When I was saying this up this morning, I realized I have never actually done a run through for Dominion. And I almost feel like I don't need to because everybody's wow. played it right. Um, actually, what we're looking at today on is uh, on screen is from a wonderful YouTube channel, Shelfside. I subscribe to them. I recommend everybody yes. do. Ash and Daniel, they uh, really dive deep uh, in their reviews. I mean, they are not just quick in and out, and they're funny, and they have a wide variety of stuff. I love Shelfside to Pieces. Cannot recommend them. Uh, everybody, go and subscribe, but uh, and watch their uh, video of Dominion. Uh, they do a better job than me of explaining it. But... I mean, this game spawned an entire genre. There have now been hundreds of deck builders and hundreds more games that have taken ideas from deck builders. And while this was not the first game to actually create a deck builder, I believe the old StarCraft board game um, actually had some basic deck building and maybe a few other ones before that. But still, it uh, is incredibly influential and it keeps reinventing itself year after year after year. Every time there's a new expansion, I think, oh, well... Okay, this is going to be the one where they're just phoning it in. And every time... No! They are still finding new ways to mix it up and give us completely new and interesting twists. Which, inevitably, after Dominion does it, a couple years later, you'll start seeing those twists appear in other games, too. Because it's just... I mean, it's it's such a perfect, simple, elegant idea. The core game, its uh, rules are described as ABC. Action by and clean up, right? Clean and, up. Yeah, that's the yeah. whole turn and yeah. it's just fast, it's fun. Again, don't take my word for it. Go watch the shelf side video. I mean, these guys are hilarious and again, really really do wonderful deep dives on their games. Highly recommend them. Highly recommend number 17, Dominion.
0: Yeah, uh, such a hugely influential uh, influential game and, and you know, as we get higher and higher on the list here, we're going to see these type of games that, you know, have spawned entire genres of games and you know as far as pure deck building i mean it doesn't get much better than dominion yeah. great great choice and here's what's funny uh, so you know uh folks if you're watching this for the first time we don't actually know what's on each other's mm-hmm. list as we combine this right right and uh we have someone else uh, uh you know go through them and combine the list and then we put it together and so i think it's really interesting that number 17 is a deck builder and our number 16 game is also a deck builder. really okay yes and this one i rank this very highly it is baseball highlights 2045 okay, okay. y'all if y- y- yep. y'all know me i'm a huge baseball fan i'm go dodgers la for life and i love deck building and i love the way mike fitzgerald implements it here in baseball highlights it is per- almost a perfect game for me it's one of those games that really the theme comes out dramatically <clears throat> in this i mean all it is it, it's so it's it blows me away that you you're going to play six cards that's it for one little baseball game and it totally feels like a baseball game there's tension there's big swings there are you know uh really cool plays that happen um defensively and offensively and the, to to capture that in six cards again <laughs> mind blown yes but i love it uh you and your opponent it's uh it can play up to four but honestly at its heart it's a two-player game or a great solo game Uh, Your managers of your baseball team, you're going to start with, you know, like your starting deck, right? These are your, you know, standard uh, vets and rookies. And then each, after each mini game that you play, you're going to draft uh, some free agents. And that's where you're going to get your game, your team is going to get stronger. You're going to be able to, you know, crush more home runs or strike out more batters and there's this really cool thing that they do in this where i play a card and it's going to have an immediate action or some of them do and that's going to resolve immediately and then sometimes you'll have a card that can counter that immediately other times it doesn't and you just play it as a standard uh you know uh uh duel and stuff oh yeah it is a two-player
1: game specifically right uh it's
0: It says one to four on the box. Oh, really? But honestly, I would never want to play it more than two. Yeah. Like with three or four, I think it's like this round robin tournament style. Okay, I, I honestly okay. don't know. That they just yeah. try to make it two I think it takes away from four. it. Yeah. 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 I think it works better thematically as a two player because you're a manager versus a manager, mm-hmm. right? And um, the solo game's great and really easy to implement. You know, you're just playing against a deck of free agents, but. I absolutely love this game, and what I love about it most, uh, Richard, is the fact that if even if you don't like baseball, you can still appreciate the design of this game. Uh, my friend, Daryl, a good friend of mine, my main gaming buddy, uh, I'm looking at the video here. I, yes. I, I just thought <laughs> of yep. <pub> it. Uh,
1: <laughs> Benny like the, the Bear makes a special guest, show, guest you never appearance know. in the r show. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh,
0: my good friend, uh, Daryl be Gaiman. He and I play this game all the time. We love it. We have this ongoing, like, you know, uh, battle that we do. And he doesn't like baseball at all. He's That's not a exactly thing. what
1: I was just about to ask. Because yes. obviously, if you love baseball, you have to play, and board games, you have to play this game. But so your friend yep. doesn't. Yep and i've and
0: he's not the only one. I've played with plenty of people over the years that do not like baseball, yet they love this game and they'll play it anytime with me. I love it when oh they they are baseball fans because, you know, you really can get into the minutia of baseball. Hey, here's where I'm going to play this card or I've I've gone gone for the hit and run here. Oh, it captures everything I love about baseball. It does deck building so well and that's why it's our number 16 baseball highlights
1: 20 all right. 45. And you know what? when you said up front that, um, you know, I, I, I there shouldn't be very many surprises. Maybe i will spray me a couple times. If I thought about it, yes, I would have known this was on your list because I yeah. do know, I've never heard you talk about it before, but I mean, if you love baseball and you love, uh, deck builders, I mean, you have to play it. It's I I have yeah. also played it myself and it is, you're right. Absolutely brilliant. So well done. So yeah. simple and elegant a system. And like you said, it just captures the American pastime. Just so brilliantly yeah. even if it is about a bunch of robots and androids playing because it's set in the year 2045 but that's almost i mean yeah. it could be set today it's not like don't walk away from thinking, yeah. oh it's a science fiction no they just did that for funny art it's um yeah, yeah. or and maybe to broaden it i wonder to make uh people who I, people like me who would say well okay i'm not interested because i don't like baseball but oh robot baseball maybe it's interesting yeah, yeah i never thought I, about I think that.
0: you're right that that yeah, that could be part of it, too, I think, just to broaden the appeal even more. So those are the people who are like, ah, baseball, whatever. But yeah, like you said, sci-fi robots uh, hitting baseballs, I-, I could get into that. Yep. So uh,
1: yeah, a really, really cool uh, little clever theme. Good call. And our engine builder streak continues, but I will now have to break the streak uh, with ah. our number 15, uh, one of my favorites of all time, Flower. And now I suppose some people might argue that keyflower is a uh, is a deck builder but or I'm sorry not a deck builder an engine builder but I don't tend to think so uh it it, it is interesting in what it does but uh its heart this is a um, oh gosh there's so many things basically at its heart every player has a bunch of colorful little meeples and those meeples for the most part, are just workers. You send them out to tiles so they will gather resources um, or tiles that will allow them to transport those goods from one place to another. Or once the goods get where they need to go, you will actually convert them into other things that ultimately lead you to victory points. Very standard euro And you could treat, I mean, you have all these tiles laid out on the board. You could just start sending your workers out there and start activating all those tiles and getting what you want. But instead, those workers are also functionally currency, because this is an auction game more than anything else. Instead of sending my workers out to the tiles that are on the center of the board and put them on the tile to do the action, I can put them next to the tile to make a bid so that that um, building will ultimately come and be part of my little village. And um, and so if I put a single blue on my side of the tile, that means I'm bidding one blue worker on this. And now that I've bid blue, this is a blue tile. If anybody else wants to bid on that tile, they have to bid with their own blue workers. Um, but maybe they don't have enough to bid. And they know, oh crap! He's about to get this tile! It's about to disappear! Well, I do have one blue worker. Before it goes, I'll at least... Before it goes to my village, I'll at least send my worker out to to do the action of that tile knowing that the other player is eventually going to get it away. But then a third player might say oh, I'll bid three blue workers to get this tile and they end up getting it. And the interesting thing that happens is, the player who was actually putting their workers on the tile to not bid and get the action later on down the road, but just to do the action right now, because I need to do the action right now the workers of that player end up going home with the player who won the bid for the tile. So you've got this really interesting interplay between players. Every worker has so much in consideration, whether you're going to use it as a worker, whether you're going to use it to bid, um, whether you're going to use it as a worker on your own tiles that you have collected on previous turns. And balancing all that, knowing that at the end of the round, all players are going to get a new influx of additional meeples in all kinds of colors, just... The crunchiness and depth of this game just goes deep, deep, deep. And um, I have to admit, I would pretty much only want to play this as a two-player game because the more players you play with, the longer it gets because everybody is just crunching over time because there's so much depth every decision you make is so important. Especially because, as part of setup, you end up getting a handful of tiles that you won't be able to add to your village until the end of the game, that if you do, they will be getting bonus points. The tricky thing is, I might say, oh, I've got this one that wants me to have lots of green workers. Okay, I know I have to really focus on that throughout the game. Um, At the end of the game, somebody might outbid me for that tile, and I end up not even getting it. So, I have to be planning long-term Everything is about the short-term tactical responses to a very highly interactive, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, um, what's the word? Uh, auction. But then, equal focus on the really in-depth long-term strategy because you know r- before the game even starts, what it is you're trying to achieve by the end of the game but you don't know 100% certain if you will be able to achieve them because if you haven't set yourself up for success. The game is brilliant on so many levels. It's gotten a bunch of expansions, a bunch of spinoffs over the year. And I think that really speaks to just how incredibly sharp the design is. Oh, and then on top of all, everything else that it does, it's also a really engaging tile laying game too. Because when you get the tiles and add them to your village, there are roads. And you need to make sure that the roads are connecting all the different tiles in such a way that the goods generated over here at this quarry can make it over here to this workshop so that you can actually use them. And you have to spend time and energy moving the goods around as well. So it's got worker placement, auction, tiling, pick up and deliver. It's one of the greatest games of all time because it's so deep, so rich, and just so genre-breaking the way it meshes all this stuff together. I love it ever so much. Number 15, Keyflower.
0: If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. I love the fact that just that video. That's from the OG back in Malta, <laughs> correct? And it it, it just it, it says something though, right? That you're looking at this video, and it's still to this day it yes. holds its place amongst the greatest of all time. Yep. I think it says a lot about the legs it has and why it, why it is uh, so widely highly regarded. Yep, uh, great choice. Yeah, keyflower, nice. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm gonna switch things up a little bit. I'm going from uh, keyflower to mm-hmm. our number fourteen which is trash at its heart, and I love this game so much, Star Wars okay. Rebellion. Yeah, so of course, you knew, there was, was there's no way I was not going to have Baseball Highlights 24-5 on this list. There was also no way in heck that I was going to ha- not have star, a Star Wars game on here. And in this case, it's the best Star Wars game that's available, Star Wars Rebellion. Um, you know, it's, it's big, it's epic, it's a two-player game. It says it can play up to 4 just like baseball highlights but you know what this is a two player game. One player is the Empire, the other those rebel scum, you know, that that's what you're playing and you're this captures everything about the the the, the whole scope of Star Wars. Rebels versus um, the Empire. And you're just trying to, uh, when you're on the Imperial side, you're trying to find that, that hidden rebel base. Yep. Can you find it? And can you take care of it before the game ends? And as the rebels, you're trying to hide. You do not, you know, you're trying to stay away from Darth Vader and all his minions. And, you know, trying to survive um, by completing missions. And as you can see, Shay there, I mean, I, I, I'd i love to play this game with Shay. I think this is, I know this is his jam as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's funny. I remember my friend, Patrick, uh, he's the one I play this game with the most. Um, he described to me, he's like, you know what real, this sort of reminds me of uh, like a two player twilight imperium. I was like, really? And I've sure never heard enough, make that up,
1: but it makes perfect yeah, sense. I, yeah. I,
0: I was, yeah, I was really surprised. And actually it's sort of apt because it's an area control game. Uh, you got a lot of, it's a lot of card driven uh, things you have, you know, your secret missions to do, you have all these different characters and, At its heart, I feel like there's a little bit of that Twilight Imperium, you know, grand epic scope to it. Um, You are not playing this game in 45 minutes. It's at least two and a half (laughs) hours, three hours. So that part of it is true. So it's not going to be for everyone. But I think as far as Star Wars is concerned, this captures so much of it, Um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, Yourself, so you're trying to protect planets. You know, if you're the uh, rebels, but also if you're the Imperials, you're trying to crank out more TIE fighters, crank out more, you know, uh, ships, so you can go find those pesky, you know, rebels and uh, ultimately destroy them. Um, it's almost like this really killer game of hide and seek. If you think yeah. about it, right? You got a little mm-hmm. hidden movement. Uh, you can move things, and I love uh, shade's video. It has the pew pew uh, <laughs> right there. Um, gosh, I, I I can I, I love this game. I, it's one of those games too where the epicness of it really comes through in the gameplay and you know when i play with my buddy patrick we always get together at his house to play this and he's got the star wars soundtracks playing in the background he has painted all the minis and you know i'm gonna wear my uh wookie uh hoodie to that day that game day and Oh, it's so much fun, and that's why it's our number fourteen, Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Very well loved game. Um, I, I, I guess I mean I tend to think of it as like one big gigantic epic Star Wars. What if? What if yeah. Princess Leia had grown up on Tatooine? What if yes. Luke had be um, joined the Empire? You know, I mean, all, because it's just all the pieces are there, and based yeah. on the choices you and your opponent make, it's just like, well, they just all get. Cobbled together, it could end up recreating the original uh, New Hope or you could create something completely different. Um, And it is very impressive. Just the thematic similitude. just what a great job they do of making it. It always feels like, yeah, this is how Star Wars could have gone uh, as it tells these big, epic, grandiose stories.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up too. Yeah, because the it's very cinematic in, in the gameplay. Yes. Like it really does capture you know uh, the the heart and the soul of Star Wars. But yeah, you are making your own adventure there, and yeah, I love it so much. It's uh, one of the greatest uh, two player games of all time, in my, in my opinion. So that's our number fourteen, Star Wars
1: Rebellion. Wow. Okay. Well, number thirteen. Um, I started out doing engine builders. I, I think I'm now kind of on an auction kick because after uh, uh, Keyflower, I'm gonna continue with, as far as I'm concerned, an even greater auction game. Number 13 on the list, peloponnese Which is definitely a lesser-known game uh, from from a small little independent German publisher and it's uh, absolutely fantastic uh, it, it tells definitely dawn of humanity prehistory style fight for survival and at its heart it is a very big um, lots of moving pieces auction game every round there's gonna be a bunch of tiles that come out that are different ways that our pre um, you know, our, our, our caveman era civilizations can grow and thrive we're just starting to develop buildings and various technologies, or we're claiming land to have more arable farm uh, territory. Tar- so I guess this must be around ten thousand years ago, around the birth of you know the uh, the age of agriculture. But um, every round, we are slowly revealing these little tokens uh, randomly from a face down pile that's getting us closer and closer to different catastrophes: um, earthquakes, droughts, uh, storms, pestilence you know, uh, decline of our civilization. And it won't be until three of those tokens come out that the terrible thing will hit everybody. And so at the end of every round, okay, we flip one of these and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe there's gonna be some drought in our future. Maybe not, I'm not really. Oh, the second drought came out. Okay, next round we could have drought and I will lose half of all my land. Okay, what can I do? Um, Because every step of the way, the stuff uh, is, uh, the tiles that come out are things that we are gonna bid on much like um, Keyflower before it. And every round, each player is going to end up getting a new tile for themselves and extend their civilization, either adding more land or adding more technology, one or the other. And, I mean, you could really be focusing on trying to grab the tiles that will protect you from the upcoming disasters, or you can protect your protect yourself by saying, oh, look, I've got so much of this stuff, I don't mind if I lose a little bit of land. Yeah, let the droughts come, or the pestilence, or whatever it might be. Um, so, there is so much to think about because there's always this sort of Damocles over your head just at any given time. I mean, you you could just get ripped apart. And you can push your luck and hope for the best. But really, smart play means long-term planning to be prepared for whatever might come. And so, coming back to the center of the game, every round there's going to be an auction. Everybody's going to get a tile. And the thing that's so brilliant about these auctions, it's so nail-biting is, and I love so much more than regular auctions, And this, including um, Keyflower before it is, this is a, I don't know what you call it, a once-and-done, a once-around auction? where Uh there will only be one round of bidding. Your first bid is your last bid. So, if you want that tile, you better bid appropriately. You can't say, well, I'll just go on ahead and bid one, and maybe you'll bump it to two, and then I'll go to three, and then we'll go to four, and we'll eventually get there. No, there is no time for that. If I want that tile, I have to bid as low as I can to hold on to my meager resources, but high enough to scare you away, to keep you away from it. And um, so I have to work so hard. It isn't slowly revealed over the course of the round how much everybody values everything. I have to know, what is the likelihood somebody's going to try and steal this from me? Does anybody need this? Um, Because, hey, it's one that's going to protect us from the Flood. Probably a lot of people need it. But you know what? I don't even care about that one, because I prepared for the Flood in different ways. So I can focus on this other one and maybe get away with it, because people are going to fight over that Flood. But I lied. I say it's a once-around, but not exactly, because I put a bid in on something. I bid two coins or whatever, and then somebody outbids me with four coins. They could go to three, but they're going to four, because then they know nobody else is going to want to jump to five, right? So you always bid as high as you can. I've now got loose coins, and I can send those two that I got outbid to another tile somewhere else. And maybe that was my plan all along. Maybe I just wanted to bump that flood protection that I know you needed. And knowing full well, what I'm really doing, I'm putting the two there because I need to put two to get this other tile over here. I know you're going to bump me. I'm making you pay more. And then I'll get what I really wanted. And then on top of all of that, if... If that just gives you hives thinking about all the mind games and the, the, the strategies and, and all that, there's another option too. Because every round, when new tiles come out, there are ones that are available to bid on, but then there are tiles in the conquest row. And those ones you can just buy. So, every, uh, this is an auction where you can say, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna engage in auction. I'm going to try and bid. I'm going to try and be smart and outplay my opponents. Or I can say, to heck with all that. I'm just going to go to the really expensive aisle at the um, prehistoric grocery store and just get exactly what I need and nobody can take it away from me. But you'll go broke very fast doing that. But sometimes that's what you need to do because you can't risk somebody else taking something from you. So... It's a fast game. You're constantly, um, you know, accruing all kinds of resources. There's tons to think about. Uh, the game has actually had. A bunch of expansions over the years, because again, this is like a little passion project from a small independent publisher called um, Iron Games, Iron Games, and I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it is definitely one that has flown under the radar, but people who know it love it to pieces. If you love auctions that are incredibly tension-filled, if you love a game that can be harsh and punishing, if you don't prepare and, um, and, and make you suffer... Uh, well, and then you're like me, I guess. And you will probably also <laughs> love our number 13 Peloponnese. Yeah. I've been,
0: I've been dying to play this game ever since actually we talked about this. I think when we first started uh, working together like, over a year ago, you had mentioned this, I think it was our like top games outside of the BGG 3000 or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot. Maybe like underrated games and just the fact that, like, oh, how all the stuff going on here! I, I, I dig that whole you know auction mechanism, and um, I'm assuming it's out of print right now. Is that right? Or can, I think there... it's it's
1: I, mean, it's I I can't imagine you would be able to get it at any local game store or any online store, but I believe yeah. it is perpetually available directly from the publisher again you know it's oh, a small okay. little independent publisher iron games yeah I mean I'm, I'm subscribed to the newsletter I get a newsletter from them every month saying hey we we're, we're making this available we 're making that available so I mean you know this is the very definition of boutique level if you buy this yeah. game directly from the publisher you are making dreams come true you are supporting um you know um, uh, it's uh, burned Eisenstein is the sole oh, provider okay. artist or yes. er, er, not artist uh designer of the games and uh, yeah. i've met burn a few times at Essen spiel he's a great guy very passionate and Peleponies is it's the best auction game of all time quite frankly as far as i'm concerned
0: awesome i cannot wait to play it um speaking of best of all time let's move on to our number 12 let's do uh, it this could easily yeah this, this is uh i uh, you know i talked about ameritrash my last pick we're going euro for this okay. one, number 12 i know you'll appreciate this one the castles of burgundy. Oh, thank by, you. Yes, yes, yes. The ba- yep. by the master Steffenfeld. Um I am going to go back a little bit. This is another game that was early on in my uh gaming I, I don't know career I guess or when I first got into the hobby. I was a little I was intimidated by this one as well. I mean, I saw all these different colored tiles, I saw all these dice, people using dice in ways I'd never used them before in a game. I was like, "Whoa, wait, what? You can change the dice with these workers? What's going on here?" And it turns out is it's, uh, it's a masterpiece of a design, um, uh huh. And you know, for, for Stefan, for me, it's my favorite Stefan Feld game of all time. And uh, you know, I, I look at the, I think it came out in like 2011,
1: something just, like that. Yeah, I feel like
0: this mm-hmm. has been around forever, Very and nice. yet you know, it's still a relatively newish game. I mean, 10 years, I guess, but you know, uh, you can see the new version here that you were playing. Yeah, this uh, was an anniversary right edition that
1: came out a few years ago. Yeah,
0: that's right. I, I love that edition. You know, as much as I complain about Stefan Feld as far as like colorblind uh, accessibility. It doesn't stop me from playing this game. I, you know, I went out on my old copy. And I made it colorblind accessible by <laughs> marking everything down with a pen. This is blue. This is green because yep, yep, yep. that's how darn good this game is. I yep. mean, uh, you're t- you're laying down tiles in your little uh, your little um, fiefdom here and trying to you know expand your empire or whatever. And you're using the dice that you got uh, to grab uh, goods and resources and everything else. And oh, it's just it's so good. Everything's intertwined and it just works so well together. Uh, it's just a beautiful game. Now, play this at four. I, I don't really like it at four. I love it at two. I think two players is yeah. like the really sweet spot for this game. I think four, it goes a little too long for what it is. I mean, I'll still
1: play it at four, but I prefer two uh, at most. I um, completely
0: agree. Do but not I, I play Burgundy you're...
1: at four unless it's four experienced players. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, otherwise, agreed. it is okay. long. Yeah, it, it is much longer. And um,
0: yeah, I just i love this game so much and it could have easily been ranked higher but there i there are even uh, there are other games that we could uh, that we'll talk about but this is in my uh, my
1: opinion Steffenfeld's masterpiece that's why it's our number 12 the
0: castles of burgundy
1: yep yeah it's interesting um what we're doing today, folks, is this is a mishmash of my favorite games of all time and Ruel's favorite games of all time. In case it wasn't obvious, we send our list to a third party who adjudicates and makes sure that there's no overlaps and whatnot. And I mention all this because um, Castle Burgundy is my favorite Feld of all time as well. I said in a few episodes back, we weren't done with Feld because, of course, yep. Burgundy was coming. And what sur- the only thing that surprised me is it's you talking about this today. Because if it's you talking, that means you rated it slightly higher than I did and that Ooh. yeah and this wow. is one of my favorite games of all time it's felled at his absolute best and oh i i i, I, I actually this so warms the cockles of my heart and makes me love you even more man that you rate burgundy higher than i do and it's my favorite game of all time so well played sir oh my gosh castle thank and burgundy you. thank you and was, for, uh, for folks lie, was, oh, what's that I was
0: just going to say, I'm not going to lie. I was super excited about this episode because I knew you were going to love my pick. For oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally.
1: Like I said, I'm just surprised it's you talking about it instead of me because I figured for sure... I mean, yeah. I knew you liked it too, but I thought I would rank it higher than you. You rank it higher than me. That is mind-blown. Um, it's fantastic. And, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, there are now basically three looks to Burgundy. There's the classic look, which is the one you talked about that you literally had to take yeah. a Sharpie to. And then there's what I just showed in the video, the anniversary edition that came out a few years ago. And I believe... Coming soon to GameFound, there is going to be a new super-duper deluxe, completely revamped, includes actual minis, and really stunningly gorgeous artwork version coming soon. I cannot wait. I am literally salivating with excitement and enthusiasm for the future of Burgundy. I I know Burgundy's been around forever, but Burgundy keeps reinventing itself, and I can't wait to see what's next. Number 12. Agreed. And You
0: know, since we're on the topic of Castle Burgundy, let's talk about real quickly the the, Roll and Write version and the card game Okay, version, let's just so let's, let's all both Burgundy all the time. All Burgundy all the time. I, I I don't know about you. I I enjoy them both. Yes. Um. I pro I really I think they both capture the feel and the yes. flavor of the the original in in different ways as well. A card based one and then the roll and Ride. I, I think they're both wonderful.
1: I I completely agree. Um. The card based one is basically everything you get from Burgundy in about half the time. Although, yep. actually, surprisingly, more table real estate. The weirdest thing about yeah, Castle of yeah. Burgundy, the That's card game is like about the card it's so it's huge. huge. It's a
0: huge table hog.
1: <laughs> and then, yeah, and then uh, Castle of Burgundy, the dice game, which is a very fast little, super efficient roll and write that uh, yeah. d- uh, really just focuses on the, the tile laying aspect of the game, is brilliant. I love right. all the Burgundies. Um, and I have, uh, the, the, the offshoot, Castles of Tuscany, which is basically like yeah. a stripped down, streamlined version of Burgundy as well. Can't right. get enough. But in spite of all that, in spite of my deep love for it, I rank even higher, number 11 on our list nations. And. Oh my gosh! This game has always been um, so near and dear to my heart. I love it to pieces. Uh, it is a game about you know early dawn of civilization. Uh, you know, I just had another one of those a little bit ago with Peloponnese. All this one is one of those ones like through the ages or whatnot, or you know Sid Meier's Civilization that tracks uh, mankind's origins all the way up to the modern day, or almost to the modern day, as we go through different eras and we are constantly running into um, you know different real world historical people, places, and things, and kind of like um, Star Wars, we talked about earlier how that's just kind of like, oh, it takes all these things and them I and you know, going to tell a new story. This creates a new history for humanity. Where um, you know, uh, Confucius was actually an Islamic scholar because that's just how it kind of worked out in your world that you have evolved over time. And I love, I mean, just aside, I absolutely love that kind of storytelling. I, I love saying, well, you know, um, you know, based on my ancient Persian Empire, how did it grow? What did I focus on? What um Abraham Lincoln, um, you know, uh, know, came from Persia. Who knew? I mean, me, I love that. I know some people dislike it. I think it's part of the fun. But put all of that aside, because at the end of the day, pretty much all civilization games, if they want to have real-world historical elements, you end up in that situation. That's fun. It's fine. But let's talk about the gameplay. This is, what would you even call it? I guess its number one mechanism is card drafting. Because every round, there is a grid of cards, and players are going to take turns grabbing them and adding them to their own player mat. And, um, you know, the the ones that are higher up on the grid cost a little bit more, and so there's a lot of tension because every round, a a big flop. It's like, I forget, it's different based on the number of players. I think it's anywhere from 9 to 16 cards comes out every round, and players are just going to take turns grabbing them and watching their civilization grow in very thematic, historically grounded ways that are really satisfying. And these cards represent all different kinds of things. Ancient wonders of the world, technological advancement, great cities, um, colonies, uh, you know, depending on what type of, uh, of, of, of direction that your, um, civilization is going to take. But all of these cards don't do anything unless we people them. And so we have a big collection of meeples and, um, we can take these meeples and assign them to all these cards. So they will get to work, um, you know, doing the technologies or harvesting the resources that we need or whatever it might be. But you never have enough of these meeples to really activate everything you want to do. And also, the more meeples that you have applied to these cards, the more you um, resources they are going to suck up because you have to keep them fed and happy and alive. And if you don't, well, they, things will not go very well for you. And I, it's hard There's nothing really game-breaking, I mean, or, I'm sorry, not game-breaking, genre-breaking about this. This is all pretty straightforward stuff. Uh, You know, it's not like, oh my gosh, it's an auction game where the workers are your bidding chips, or... It's nothing like that. Everything here is just done pretty straightforwardly. It's the way it all comes together. Although, I will say, there is one thing that I think is absolutely brilliant that I think puts this above all other Civilization games, and it's the way it handles warfare. Because, of course, a Civilization game, I mean, if you want to capture the full sweep and scope of human history... kind of got to pay attention to that too. So, some of the cards that can be drafted for will actually start wars that will be resolved at the end of the current era we're in, after we're done drafting all cards. And as soon as somebody grabs one of those cards, based on their current military might, they create a target that every other player has to hit. Any other player who doesn't get their military up that high by the end of the round is going to suffer some setbacks. Um, Or alternatively, you can say, I don't care about uh, military at all. I instead will focus on ensuring my country's internal stability will be high enough by the time we hit the end of the round. So that, yeah, even though the war would hiss because we didn't have a strong military, we don't care. We could slough it off because we're such a strong, stable society. And I absolutely love that. That there is this sense of war. And it's a direct comparison because if somebody with a really weak military is the first to grow, uh, you know, if, if you have a really weak military, you might want to grab that um, army card right off the gate, knowing full well that, oh, you're going to create a military campaign that nobody else cares about because everybody's strong enough to avoid this. You took it as a protective, defensive mechanism so that nobody else could take it and then put the screws to you because all of a sudden, crap, I now I've got to deal with this. Now, there's a third way to deal with them which is, okay, I don't care about my stability. I don't care about my military. I have just ignored both of those and I focus so much on, I'm back to engine building by the way, but to the engine of my society can produce so much stuff because we haven't focused on these other things, you know, trying to make a more stable gover- government, trying to make a stronger military. We're just trying to make the people happier. We've got so much that we can afford to lose a little bit. And again, I love this. It's so simple and clean and um, captures history in a really smart thematic way without requiring what pretty much all of nation's competitors do, which is eventually, sooner or later, I'm going to start destroying your stuff. I'm going to start stealing things from you. And this game doesn't do that. It is an indirect way of capturing warfare that I think works and is smart. And then it does everything else a civilization game should do, just... You know, best of class. It is absolutely phenomenal. I'm just talking about it now. It just makes me want to play it so much because I know at the end of a session, we will have gone through such an incredibly epic rise of, of humanity, rags to riches story um, with all kinds of interesting twists along the way. It's absolutely phenomenal. Number 11 on the list, Nations. Wow, nice choice. Uh, quick question, have you played Nations of the Dice game? Yes, I have. The Nations of the Dice game is very nice, although I would strongly recommend Nations of the Dice game with the Dynasty's expansion. Because one thing I didn't say about Nations, it's very important too, everybody gets to have a uh, starting uh, you know, um, society, ancient world society, and there are options where everybody has the exact same starting setup, or everybody has a really unique variable setup with di- focuses on different strengths and weaknesses. And um, you know, we have no military, but we're really good at building wonders or whatever it might be when you get the nation dice game dynasties expansion it brings that unique variable everybody has a, a you know their own unique special thing and really yeah. elevates that game too nice awesome wow we are Getting close to the top 10, friends. That's it. Wow. Yes. We have just what? finished the Pan Ultimate Amazing. Edition. And now we're going to be jerks. Because we're going to put it on hold for a few weeks. We will not be back um, for three more weeks. But wait, wait, wait. Breaking news. Folks, in case you didn't know, we were actually streaming this live in front of an internet audience on uh, May 17th, 2022. And the audience just wanted to inform me that I'm a doofus. They wanted to play the uh, the role of Paulo today and point out Dynasties is the expansion for Nations. It was the Unrest expansion for Nations the Dice Game. Very important. Don't get Nations yes. the Dice Game and then Dynasties the expansion because the two will not work well Whoops. together. Um, so thank you audience for pointing that out and now uh, what were we just saying oh right okay so We will do the ultimate edition of this, I believe, three weeks from now. Because next week we're doing a, hey, what's what's new in the world of gaming? And then we're doing a Kickstarter roundup. So we'll be back soon with the final top ten, the ultimate edition. Yes. But that's a bit in the future. The question for today is, folks, did you hear one of us say the secret word? Did you hear some of a talk about scum? And if so, what was the game? And if you figured that out, you know what to do. Send the name of that game as your subject to uh, contest at Roto.com to enter to win a copy of the excellent Azul Summer Pavilion. Right. All okay. Right. So, I think that's it, Ruel. Did I miss anything? No, that was
0: that's everything we got to do, and uh, wow, uh, amazing games again that we talk yes. about. I am, I am super excited to come back. Well, we'll be back next week, but for the I want to see this top ten.
1: This top ten is going to be amazing. I am still flummoxed that you're the one who pulled Burgundy. I thought that's mine. And I thought when he, when he sent me because basically, folks, whatever it was six months ago, we sent our list to our friend, and he's just giving them back to us. You know, every week we just see these the night before, I'm like, oh. I guess I'm not talking about Burgundy this week. I guess. Oh, I guess Burgundy must have been in my top, uh, you know, in my top five. Is that, my top, is that right? Yeah. And then like, and when then you start talking about, it, I'm like, no, you stole my Phil Thunder. How dare you, sir? But uh, yeah. it, it makes me so
0: happy too. So it, it does. Yeah. Yes, agreed. And I'm sure that <laughs> there, I'm sure there'll be like one or two surprises uh, in the top.
1: Five I imagine so. Head. I imagine so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. folks. can Well, that was it. I want to say thank you to well for and thanks everybody for watching. Uh, and uh, join us again next week when we'll be talking about all other kinds of fun R&R stuff. Have a nice day, everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, Bye-bye.